light service every Sunday, and then when the candle burns out, then we'll end the service. But I'm looking at it, it's really in my favor, because we've done pretty good, and it, uh, they were all worried. They're like, what, what are we going to do? The candle's going to burn out in the middle of the singing. If it goes out, then we'll just start singing this little light of mine. I mean, it's okay. We're, it's symbolic. It's not actual, okay? It's not literal here. But we have buckets, and if I can get some of the uh, ushers, if you guys can go around just start wherever you're at. We've got a few of them there and, and uh, take them around and let them uh, drop those in there. Um, you don't need a Bible tonight, but I want to share with you a few things from God's Word uh, really quickly here due to the fact that we've got our kids with us. And uh, Larry said, you know, it was interesting, and I've done this myself. Uh, my wife and I, ever since our children were young enough to vaguely even understand English language, uh, we began to read to them the Christmas story uh, on Christmas Day. And uh, we still do that. Uh, and now not only with our kids, but our grandchildren as well. And tonight, I wanted to uh, give you, and a lot for the fact that we have you know, our kids with us, kind of the concise version of the Christmas story that many of us probably overlook when we think about when we read the Christmas story. Just kind of by a show of hands, how many read like Luke's gospel for the Christmas story when you go through it yourself? How many read from Matthew? How many read from John? You know, and, and for me, you know, John tonight is what I want to share with you. I, I shared, you know, from, from verse uh, four in chapter one there and, and thinking about, you know, a candlelight service, you know, it said this, it says, in him was the life. And it was speaking, obviously, of, of Jesus. It says, and the life was the light of men. You know, and so you think about, you know, that tonight, light. Uh, I, and I, as I was studying light this week, it was fascinating to me. I had never, this is what I love about, you know, you don't ever let the Christmas story get old for you, okay? I mean, I, I have studied it. I teach it every year. But I had never had this thought about light with regard to the, if you ever think about, you know, going back to your own birth and, and, and development as a human being. If you could remember what your first thought was, I mean, to think that, that, you know, when you, you actually were able to understand a thought that went through your mind and, and in the studying about light, it was talking about the very first thought that God had himself. And it, it just drew me in because, you know, it's fascinating to me to think what, you know, what was God's first thought? The very first thing that he thought of, and we think about you know, within the, the Godhead, the, between the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, the love that we see in Scripture between the Father and the Son, right? And the love that Jesus had for his Father and the love of the Father for the Son. And yet you think, you know, so where does this begin? And you go, well, take it all the way back to Genesis, you know, chapter 1. It says that, and you think about Christmas, and the fact that between Malachi and Matthew, as I was sharing last night, there's 400 years of nothing. God wasn't speaking at all. And, and there was this void, and you could say there was a darkness. You know, as the Roman Empire was ruling the world with a heavy hand, there was a deep oppression over the people. It was like, as Galatians says, that Jesus was born of a bondservant at just the right moment in, in time. And it was like everything was perfect. The people were, were searching. The, the Jews who believed in the promised Messiah they, they, they were kind of at a, a pinnacle of, of yearning for God. They had been in this oppressed state for a long period of time. And their, their, their study of the scriptures, they were searching again. 
there was a, you know, you might say a revival that was taking place. And then coupled that with the Romans being in power and the people being so oppressed, the rest of the world was searching as well. And so you think about God's timing in our life. His timing is always perfect. And yet then Jesus breaks through in this, in his miraculous birth there that we read about in the gospel accounts that in him was life and his life was the light of men. And so as it was talking about light, it took it back to Genesis chapter one, that in that void, remember, it says that there was a void. It says there was darkness and God's first words were what? Let there be what? Light. You think about that. The very first words that passed through the mind of the father wasn't light in the sense of how you and I see it. It was the light of his own son. And the heart of the Father and the Son in creation, because we see that the, the says that the Spirit was brooding, the Spirit was there in the very beginning, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit there in creation. You know, you think about light and, and the fact that, you know, here's Jesus born into the world at this very, very specific moment in time. And if you go back and you study, you know, light travels, at what the speed of light is, what, 186,000 miles, what? Now, per second, right? Per second. It takes, it takes light to travel. Think about that. The sun is like something like 93 million miles away from the earth, right? So it takes, if, you, if you're a mathematician, it takes somewhere, you know, it's a little over eight minutes for light to travel from the sun to reach the earth. And here, you know, you think at this perfect moment in time that was hidden in the heart of God, you know, it's... Paul writes to Timothy and he says, great is the mystery, right, of God. There's just things that we're not going to understand. That's why sometimes it's so difficult. You know, people are almost afraid to talk about the Christmas story with other people because, you know, to think that we've got to talk about the virgin birth, this miraculous birth that took place, that who's going to believe this, you know, and that this was a plan that was in the heart of God. And that as God would work that, that plan just like when we think about light, there's still this, this distance that it travels. And we think about that, that Jesus came from heaven. You know, Philippians says that though he was God, it says he did not regard equality a thing to be grasped. But at this perfect moment in time, it says he humbled himself to the point of becoming a man. Light came into the darkness. And then you think about, you know, our lives tonight as individuals. Most of us, not all of us. You know, many, and I, you know, I appreciate you, you get to see, you know, the Vasquez families here and a lot of their, their grandchildren and, and kids are here. And you, a lot of kids will grow up with a faith, but a lot of us didn't grow up with a faith. We came to God, you might say the hard way and thank God for his grace. Amen. Thank, thank God for his mercy, you know, in our life, but that God is, is always working. You know, he, he, he saves some people from things and he saves other people through things. And, and when I think about, you know, his light, you know, when his light came into your life, you were so aware, you were so aware, maybe for the first time ever, that God loved you. That all of a sudden things made sense that never made sense before. That's the beauty of illumination, isn't it? That, that when Jesus is in our life, all of a sudden we can look at the world today. That's why, you know, I, I tell people all the time, they're talking about all the things going on in the world. And I go, guys, shouldn't we expect the world to be doing what the world is doing today? Because this is what a world does without God, right? Sinners do what naturally? Sin. That, that's what they do. That, that's why we need to be saved so that we can have not only 
forgiveness of our sin, but we can have power to live victoriously over our sin. You know, I think about, you know, light and dark. And, you know, my, uh, our granddaughter, Leonie, is one of our, our kids, grandkids is born on December 21st. December 21st is, this year was also in many years considered what? It's the winter solstice, right? And what is that? That's the longest night, right? The longest night that, you know, of the winter when it's just darkness. And you think about, you know, people argue the fact, was Jesus born in December? Was he born? You know, and you go, it's not really the issue. You go, but the shepherds could have easily been standing out in their field in the wintertime, because that's what people argue. It would have been cold. And you go, well, what do shepherds do? They stand out in their field, okay? Whether it's winter, spring, summer, or fall, they're standing out there. So it's not a, a logical, you know, excuse to say, well, it couldn't have been the wintertime. It could, because if you've traveled to Israel, Israel's, you know, their climate is much like California. They have warm winters. I mean, you literally can be there in the winter and just like you can in Southern California, walk around with a t-shirt and shorts on and be completely comfortable. But they were out in this longest night. And, and again, as history declares, it was a darkness that was really, you know, permeating the world at that time because of the fact that God had not spoke because of the fact that the Romans were ruling, you know, with an iron fist. The people were oppressed. They were ripe and they were ready. And guess what? Doesn't it remind you, in a sense, of how it is today in the world in which we live? And that's just preparing us for what? The fact that Jesus made a promise to us that he wouldn't just be with us, but one day he would return for us. Amen? He's coming back. And the question tonight is, are we ready? Are we like they were, like those shepherds out in that field? When they got the news, because that's what, what good news is, is good news means there's good news. They got the good news and they had to do something with it. And they said after they received the news from the angelic beings and the angels of heaven, and as they saw the rejoicing taking place, it says, we must go to Bethlehem, right? They, they had to go. They, they had, you know, I love that as we started, you know, go tell it on the mountain, you know. There, there was no way for it to keep silent. And the shepherds did what? It says the news that they had received, it says it spread widely. That they told everybody about it. And I love that. When somebody's truly experienced the light of Jesus, that we know we don't work our way to heaven. It's a gift from God. We think about, you know, the, the beauty of Christmas, the exchanging of gifts. That God would give us the greatest gift, the gift, gift of forgiveness. We receive his son. You know, I don't know if you're aware of this or not, but do you know that people suffer from depression more in the wintertime than they do any other time of the year? And you go, why? Because there's not as much sunlight. There's something about vitamin D. I don't know if you heard this or read this or not with even regard to COVID, that COVID patients have been instructed, if you can, if you're up to it, is to get out in the sunlight. Absorb some vitamin D. It, it, it was beneficial. And it's not that it worked for everybody, but it worked for many people. People that I talked to just said, you know, when I got out in the sun, you know, and you, and you think about that. Think about light for a second then. Light is what? Is the therapy for Christmas. In the darkness of the dead of winter that God broke through with this marvelous light. Therapy for the human heart, for the human soul. But if I had to ask you tonight in, in your own thinking, how would you describe Christmas? What would you, if you had to give a definition for Christmas, 
How would you define it? How would you share that really simply with, with another person? You know, because you think about it, we get these conversations, you know, all the time with people and we think, ah, oh, it's just, it's too deep. It's too theological. And that's why I love when I think about John's gospel here. And I want to share this with you, you know, tonight, because we don't always have 30 minutes to an hour. Sometimes we only have a few minutes. And you think about what John is declaring. God with what? Us. You got it. There's the message of Christmas. God with us. Because man, I don't know about you, but it's easy to lose sight of that, isn't it? All the hustle, all the bustle, all the things, all the places we got to go, you know, all the things that take place and we lose sight of the greatest gift. I mean, think about this. I, I, I love this week. I probably had more joy this week of Christmas than maybe I have in many years past because I, I just kept going through the Christmas story for myself, not to try to teach it to somebody else, but just to absorb it afresh. And I was sitting there and I was thinking what it must have been like for Peter and James and John and the other disciples when it finally dawned on them that Jesus was God. Try to, try to imagine that for a second. You're sitting around a campfire, you're walking with them uh, on the road, and all of a sudden it, it hits you. This isn't, this isn't a prophet. <laughs> oh yeah, he is a prophet, but he's not just a prophet, right? He, he's not just a good teacher. He's a great teacher. Matter of fact, he's the best teacher. Matter of fact, even the people that don't like him go, wow. <laughs> I mean, he doesn't speak like everybody else. He speaks with one with what? Authority. When he talks, he like talks in first person like he is God, you know? And he is. And you go, but for them to get that, you know, but all of a sudden it's like, because it says that Jesus breathed upon them and they received the Holy Spirit. So you and I have that. That, that. That's the whole joy for me of, of having us as a church to have that candle in our hand to light that and to remind you tonight that his life is your light. He's the one who wants to light you up. I mean, there'll be people so disappointed tomorrow because they're not going to get what they want, right? Hey, newsflash. God doesn't always give you what you want, but he always gives you what you need, amen? And that's what we need to be reminded of. Man, and you think about it. And this year, probably more than any, I've talked to more people who are, are very satisfied that they're alive. They're very satisfied that they still have their family and they've still got their friends. And, and there's something about that because it's about life. <laughs> it's about light. I want to read this to you from John's gospel in chapter one, verse one there. It says, in the beginning was the word. So here's John. This is John's Christmas story for us. Maybe you've never read it like this, but I want you to tonight. It says, in the beginning was the word. The word was with God and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him and without him, nothing was made that was made. In him was the life and the life was the light of men and the light shines in the darkness and the darkness did not comprehend it. Now skip down to verse 14. And it says, and the word became what? Flash. And it dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. John bore witness of him and cried out, saying, this was he of whom I said, he who comes after me is preferred before me, for he was before me. And of his fullness we have received, all have received, and grace and for grace. For the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ, no one has seen God at any time. The only begotten of the Son, 
who was in the bosom of the Father, he has declared him. What is John doing for me and you there? He's making a connection, isn't he? He's wanting you and I to, to get it. John is going, Jesus is what? God in the flesh. That's what Christmas is all about. The Word became flesh. God became flesh. John would write this in 1 John, you know, 1st, 2nd, 3rd John. 1 John 1, 1, he puts it another way. He puts it like this. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled the word of life. What is he saying? God became flesh. God took on human form. And you think about this. Could God have communicated with us any way that he wanted to? Yeah. And he did. Could he have sent us an email? Yeah. Could he send us a text message? He did. He didn't use electronic mail. It was better than that because it came, you think about it, there's the Holy Spirit doing the work, right? So it had to be kind of like email. It came somehow. And then what, what happened? Men moved to the Holy Spirit, did what? They wrote it down, right? So it came in the form of a letter. Could God have sent us a book? He said, I'll tell you what. I'll give you the thing. It's called Basic Instructions Before Leaving Earth. It's an acrostic for the Bible. Basic instructions before leaving earth. Could he have done that? Oh, wait, he did do that. But what's the best way? If you want to communicate with somebody, is it through a text message? Is it through a letter? Is it through a book? What's the best way? Face to face. Yep, you got it. And that's exactly what God did. Well, he actually used all, but he came himself and delivered the message through his sons. Hebrews chapter one puts it like this. In the past, God spoke to our forefathers through the prophets and at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, he's spoken to us by his son, whom he has appointed the heir of all things through whom he made the universe. The son is the radiance of God's glory, the exact representation of his being. Now, this is the part that I wanted to stop and focus in on. That I pray that we never miss again in our life. Because I believe that many times we do. When Jesus took on human form. You have to go back and you'll have to study this for yourself. You know, Philippians chapter 2. It says he didn't regard equality a thing to be grasped. But he humbled himself to the point of becoming a man. The point that I want to make here is Jesus never ceased being God. Many people believe that, that Jesus, he, oh, he was God, and then he became a man, and then he rose again, and then he became God again and went back to heaven. You, you go, no, that's, this, is, this is what Paul was writing to Timothy. Great is this mystery here, right? The deity of Jesus Christ. He never ceased being God. What he did and what we need to hold on to and be reminded of Christmas, when God came down and took on the form of, of a baby, what God did was, you might say, he crawled into our world. He didn't walk into it because he came as a baby, but he crawled into it and he took on. So in addition, this is what happens. It's an addition. He never ceased being God. He's 100% divine. He's always going to be 100% divine. But what did he do in that moment in time? He took on human flesh. 
It was an addition to. Does that make sense to you? Because it's important that we understand that because we need to be able to explain that. People go, I just don't, I don't get it. I had a conversation uh, with, with a Muslim the other day and, and he, was, he was so angry. And, and I was telling Lee, I go, you know, it's amazing to me. You know, I got him to agree that he didn't know a lot of things because we just talked about, you know, when Islam came into existence and what the, really the tenets of the Islamic faith are and what it is to be a Muslim. And so as we walked through it, he goes, yeah, you know, uh, yeah, I don't get this. He goes, but there's one thing, you know, I, I know this, Jesus is not God. And I go, wow, isn't, I go, just show, it shows you, you know, the demonic influence in the world that when people can say they don't know a lot about a lot of things, but they are certain that Jesus is not God. And that to me, I was just going, wow, that is fascinating to me that in a world where people will confess that they don't know a lot of things, one thing that they will guarantee you is that Jesus is not God. And you go, it just demonstrates the power, the forces of evil that are working in the world today. But Jesus came, as John declared, the word became flesh. What was the word? God. God became flesh and dwelt among us. His flesh became in addition to what he already was. He became fully human while remaining fully divine. He added something to his nature and to his character while always remaining what he was before and what he forever will be. He is the eternal word of God. Amen. And so how do we celebrate Christmas? And this is what I want to end with. What do you do to have the best Christmas ever? And we can do this each and every year as we come back and we read the Christmas story and we read you know, what those, the, the shepherds and what the magi, what those people did when they came to Jesus. They worshiped him. So what does that mean to me and you? It's just simply this. I, I share this with you all the time. Keep Jesus between you and everything else. You want to have a great Christmas tomorrow? Is don't let anything come between you and Jesus tomorrow. Keep Jesus between you and everything else. It's like somebody goes, you know, the old expression of what would Jesus do? And then somebody will go, hey, I want to go watch this movie. And, you know, you have your friend that really, you know, is your, is your downer in your life. Or today, this, you know, year it was Karen. You have a Karen in your life. And they go, and they're going, well, would Jesus go to that movie? You know, and you go, they go, well, it's okay, go. I mean, if, if you can take Jesus and Jesus can sit next to you, go ahead and go. Because they know full well what? He can't. He won't. And so you go, ah. And what are they really saying? They go, keep Jesus between you and everything else. Keep Jesus as the center of your Christmas. And guess what? <laughs> You'll have a great Christmas. And you think about it. It's better to do what? The Bible says. It's better to give than to receive. Lock in on that. Because a lot of people will wake up tomorrow and be totally disappointed because they didn't get. But remember, remember this. Christmas isn't about getting. It's about giving. For God so loved this world that he gave his only begotten son. That whosoever would believe in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. Secondly, determine to do what? Grow. 
Don't, don't just go through the motions of Christmas. And it's so easy to do because you go, oh, that was a, I hear people all the time, that was just a children's story. You know, we, we read it to the grandchildren. No, I, I like reading it for myself. I'm, I'm a kid. I'm God's child. I need to grow. Are we ever going to reach a place where we fully comprehend everything there is to know about God? No. And that's the beauty of God is that he continues as we seek him. He said, if you'll seek me, you'll find me when you seek me with what? All of your heart. Have you ever really truly loved God with all of your heart? Or is there a little bit of you that you still hold back? And every year, I think we learn how to trust him a little bit more. I don't know about you, but I can tell you this, you know, for me, I learned to trust God a lot more during COVID-19 than probably I ever have in my life, to be completely honest with you. Trials have a great way, you know, of proving out what we really believe about God. Amen. And we need to grow. We need to grow in the knowledge of God. Why? Because we need to progress. We need to become more and more fruitful. Why? Not just for ourselves, but for the benefit of other people. Growing in the knowledge of God in our life. Because we never arrive until we're home. So keep going and keep growing. And the last thing that I want to leave you with is, is really it's the joy of Christmas is, is to experience the incarnation in your own life. And you go, I remember, and I, I almost taught on this again because I love it so much. Jack Hayford years ago wrote a book called The Merry Miracle. And it was four premises with this book. It was the promise of God is to you that it might be birthed in you, just like Mary, that it might pass through you to impact the world around you. The promise, one, is to you. Second, that it might grow in you. Third, that it might pass through you. Fourth, that it would impact the world around you. The incarnation, it was like the song, Go Tell It on the Mountain, is if when Jesus is born in us, you know, we can't contain it. I mean, the shepherds couldn't contain it. They were so in awe of, of this, you know, message that it did what? It says it widely spread. They had to tell somebody. And if God is growing in your life and he's growing in mine, there's going to be people in our path. And you think about, you know, who we come in contact with, you know, that he's inviting us. He's not forcing us. It's, it's a privilege, isn't it? To let our light so shine before men that they might see our good works. You think about, you know, the best gifts at Christmas time. And I'll leave you with this. You think about this. God's greatest gift to me and you was forgiveness. Maybe you're here tonight. Maybe you're watching from home. And there's somebody in your life that you're not forgiving. Maybe it's yourself. Maybe the greatest gift you could receive this Christmas is the forgiveness of God, opening your heart to him. But maybe there's somebody in your life that you're, you know, you'd give them a gift before you would forgive them. But see, that's the, the, the beauty of Christmas. It's not giving gifts outside of ourself. God's greatest gift is when he gave himself. And the greatest gift you and I can give is when we give ourselves to other people. First and foremost, by forgiving. And secondly, just by serving. You're going to have an opportunity tomorrow to serve somebody. Maybe it's just wadding up all the paper, putting it in a trash bag, and being willing to take it outside instead of yelling at everybody else why they're making a mess in your house. Washing plates for your wife. Helping clear the table instead of just go sit down in your easy chair, you know, while everybody else does all the work. You know, there is a Mary and Martha, you know, in all of us. 
There's a time to sit at Jesus' feet. And there's a time to be in the kitchen serving. The key is, as Ecclesiastes says, pick the right time and the place. Amen? Amen. That's it for Christmas. My hope is this Christmas, regardless of all the things that have gone on, is one of the best Christmases ever. Because why? Because he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Joy to the world, for the Lord is come. He's here. He's here. He's here. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your love. We thank you for your word. We thank you for the, just the joy of being able to come and, and sing to you tonight, to sing your praises. And Lord, thank you. Thank you for our worship team. Thank you for the time that they put in to learn these songs and Lord, to minister to us and just, uh, again, help us to come before your throne tonight. Lord, we know that you, you love what you hear in this place. And Lord, as your kids, Lord, we just want to sit before you and say, thank you. Thank you for loving us like you do. Thank you for giving us the greatest gift that we could ever know when you gave us your son. And Lord, help us as we go from this place, not to hoard that gift, but to do what God you intended us to do with that gift. And that's to share it with other people. We can never run out of Lord, the things that you provide. And as your word declares, my God shall supply all of your need by his riches and glory that are in Christ Jesus. And so, Lord, as we held these candles tonight, symbolizing the light that is within us, Lord, may that light continue to shine throughout the holiday and through this next year until all the world knows that Jesus is Lord. To you be the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Let's give the Lord a clap offering. He's worthy of praise. Amen. 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 I'll invite you to stand to your feet and uh, we're going to send you out with song. Have a very, very Merry Christmas. Be safe and know that uh, we love you very much and we pray for you and uh, we are excited what God's going to be doing uh, in 2021. I'm so looking forward to what he's going to do in 2021.